Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined as always by my good, good friend, Mr. JW Crewall. JW, how's it going today? It's going all right, Riley. I just took my wife out on a double date. Ooh. Yeah, we went to dim sum. Ooh, yummy. Yeah, I do love me some good dim sum, and it was it was good. It was uh, we've gone to this place a few times, brought some family over, and you know, and we've gone ourselves, and so it's it's nice. We 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 really respect this place, and they they make some good dim sum. That's awesome. That's awesome. I've had a real busy day myself. I yeah. I was actually supposed to be in San Diego this week working on my project. Um, but the trip got canceled due to like a spike in COVID levels in the area. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're kind of like replicating that here in Madison. And part of that means that we're like working kind of (laughs) late every day because the, the time zone difference and, and another part of it is just the days are long because I'm still like working at the same start time every day. Mm -hmm. Right. But Today was pretty fun because I took my project team out to get some Indian food together, kind of like replicate the experiences if we had all traveled out and like we're getting dinner together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a ton of fun, but I'm um, a little pooped, got to say. A little freaking pooped. Well, hopefully. A little poke. tuckered out. Hopefully talking about poke can get you back in the in the right mindset. That's right. Uh, nothing gets me geared up like freaking Pokemon cards, dude. Got to say. Been there. <laughs> Amen, brother. So, and I'm super excited. This weekend, I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, you know, obviously, you and I are going to Arlington Regional Championship. It's also Andrew's birthday weekend, so I'm sure we'll make some fun out of that. Um, you know, overall, I'm just uh, hyped up, got to say. It's funny. I was getting my travel plans You know, yesterday. My wife was like, okay, send me your itinerary for you know, so I know when I need to drop you off, pick you up from the airport. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure. I'll just look that up on my email right now. And I like typed in Dallas. Like nothing came up. I'm <laughs> like, okay, well maybe I send it to my other email. I typed in Dallas, nothing came up. And I'm uh, like, uh, okay, did I, and then I was like Arlington, but the flight goes into Dallas, but I was like Arlington. Okay. Nothing. Other email, Arlington, nothing comes. I have like flight, nothing comes up, nothing comes up. And then I'm like, okay, shoot. Now I got to start going into the, the airline. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure it was American airlines. So I type in, you know, American airlines, nothing. AA.com, oh nothing. Gosh. Delta, nothing. And I'm like running through all these airlines. I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? Like, did I sign up? And then like not click far enough or something in the in the <laughs> sign up right and i like just didn't purchase the ticket i'm like freaking out because i don't have any record of it in my email <laughs> but then i look up a comparable flight on on google i'm like okay so it's got to be american airlines let me sign into my american airlines account and i see it there and i'm like oh thank goodness you gotta like, get the apps man you got <laughs> dude i i should but my phone already has so much stuff on it but the asset, you get the mobile tickets too. I know. I what I usually do with those is I'll like clear off enough space on my phone and then download that app. So American for this one, and then I'll just delete it off my phone later. You know? <laughs> so like I won't be able to keep it on my phone because I don't have enough space for that. Dude, <laughs> how does your phone have no space? What do you got on there, bro? When you have a kid, and the other dads out there will understand. When you have a kid. Half of your phone space goes to videos and pictures of the kid. Even that. <laughs> it's not that hard to understand. How, how much uh, memory does your phone have? I couldn't tell you. Hmm. Probably like 400 terabytes. <laughs> well, if you're feeling that, then I, I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I don't know. Three. It's somewhere between... Like three and four hundred terabytes. Yeah. Okay. Maybe like three fifty or something. Yeah. Yeah. Probably three. <laughs> That's what they normally come out these days. With. Yeah. I don't know what the standard is right now, but. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you got your flight situated. <laughs> Dude, I was I... scared there, man. I was really scared. I was looking forward to it. I was like, ah, oh, shoot. 
I have to tell the boys that I'm not coming. Because <laughs> I don't have a flight. I never booked a flight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You know, if you had come into a panic, I would have told you Americans definitely what you want to check. Yeah. Because <laughs> Dallas true. is a huge like American Airlines hub. Are you planning on getting in on Friday? Mm-hmm. What time? Uh, let me check. I want to say like five, maybe. Oh, 5 p.m.? Okay. Yeah, because I'm trying to think about, like, how yeah, I don't five. know the best way to get from Arlington, uh, or from Dallas, I should say, which is where I'm flying into Arlington. So. Well, it's not far. I know. I know they're kind of like sister cities or whatever, but I, I don't know if it's just, like, taking Uber there or something. When do you arrive? I get in there 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I'm planning on working remote that day. but. Yeah, I had... um. Well, I initially had connected it to my my work trip and was, like, traveling through work. So I was going to, um, Friday morning, instead of coming back to Madison, I was just going to fly straight to Dallas mm-hmm. and be there at, like, 10 a.m. But since the work trip got canceled, I'm like, eh, I'll just, I'll use a half vacation day instead and, yeah. and fly in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the backstory there. I was originally supposed to be there, like, in the morning as well makes sense makes sense but there is a lot to talk about with dallas i feel like this format is just i i i feel like it's quicksand it's a quicksand format i don't feel like i can really get my feet set in what's going on it feels like we've had you know kind of level setting with that very first laic that first tournament yeah and then we've had like a really harsh response to that first (laughs) tournament uh, that we saw in Toronto, and now we're trying to kind of feels like we're trying to figure that out from there, like the pick up the pieces. Yeah, and that harsh response was there. was echoed worldwide <laughs> the same yeah. weekend, <laughs> right? Yeah, with everybody leaning super super hard into these sort of anti LAIC decks, basically anti Lugia decks, essentially, right? Yeah, more so like anti Lugia as it was built at LAIC decks, right? Yeah. Because the main theme was, was paralysis, I would say, mm-hmm. um, coming out of the other weekend. And you know, Lugia at LAIC really didn't have a response to paralysis. So now we're kind of like looking forward. like Where do some of these counter decks fit in the grand scheme of things? How does Lugia respond to those? Are these like actually sustainable deck choices going forward? You know, what is the freaking deal? And it feels like we're in a little bit of a limbo right now where it hasn't been clearly defined. You see that in the online space where there's just so many different decks being thrown at the wall. Um, Very varied top eights at these tournaments. And you just see that in in kind of like the discourse in general. People are unsure where to go after what seemed to be like a Lugia Doomer (laughs) format at the very start. Yeah, absolutely. It's been... Very harsh, like you said, into Lugia, but now Lugia, you know, there are some texts that Lugia can play to counteract what we've been seeing in terms of, you know, especially the paralysis of things like Articuno and Zekrom. So we're actually going to be talking about in this next section, top texts right now. So these, uh, you know, largely apply to decks like Lugia, but, um, you know, it can be, you know, there, there's some inner interspersing here of, of different texts that you might play in your deck, and we want to cover those right now. One of the bigger ones, I would say, is um, in the Lugia deck is, you know, ways to get out of paralysis. So we've seen a couple big ways to do so. Uh, the first being Espeon VMAX, and the second, a little bit softer of a counter to paralysis is Birdkeeper. Yeah. So let's go through those. Espeon, yeah. Espeon VMAX, what are your thoughts? And, and do you see it trending up or down in Lugia decks? Yeah, Espeon, I think, was a was a really smart response to what we saw with the counter decks. It was very savvy of Isaiah Bradner and his group to just sort of target that as their, their mechanism. Because it protects against all sorts of stuff, right? It's not just the... Paralysis that Espeon protects against. It protects against random Veltals. It protects, protects against lost box damage counter placement. Now, Espeon itself 
isn't a super useful card. Like maybe if your opponent over attaches, you can swing with it. Realistically, you're not really trying to most games. But my opinion is is Espeon is is fairly solid because you can find use cases for it in many different matchups. Even in the Lugia Mirror, it's really hard for Lugia to actually take that KO, especially once they've burned their powerfuls, which usually they do on one of their very first attacks. So if they're not swinging with those powerfuls into an Espeon, they're pretty much not KOing it in one hit. And Espeon also protects against Eveltal, which can be a huge right. deal over the course of the game. Right, so absolutely. I think Espeon is, is a really solid choice in Lugia right now, uh, just because it has so many use cases that are not specific to like countering the counters, right? It just, you can find value in it in all sorts of different matchups. A great example of that would be, you know, let's say you're playing against a Lost Box, right? And they're, maybe they're not playing Path to the Peak. They're playing more of like a Kyogre-focused variant with Radiant Greninja. Um, you can slam an energy onto your Manaphy, and now it's protected against the Sableye, right? right? And now your Manaphy is safe, so over the course of the game, the Kyogre is much less of a threat. Right. So Espeon just opens up like so many more creative routes to play your Lugia deck. I think it's just a really solid inclusion. Do you think you would play it? in Lugia were you to play Lugia this weekend I would say I'm not 100% bought in that you might need it for this weekend but I would say like I'm leaning 60% chance like I would play it like I'm leaning on the side of I think it's good and would play it yeah 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 for sure do you feel differently yeah I mean it's tough right because it's like usually we see these big swings and then it'll kind of like regress to the mean where the cat's out of the bag with these paralysis decks, particularly the Articuno-based uh, water decks. And so how much of an impact can they have on a week-to-week basis? Do I say, if I tech in the Espeon, I'm saying I'm respecting that deck. If I don't tech in the Espeon, I'm saying enough people are going to respect the deck that even if I happen to face, you know, one in day one and that's like you know my one loss or whatever like it will not be something that i'll play multiple times because it's been kind of hated out by other people respecting it yeah i think my logic is Espeon is extensible enough as a tech that's fair that you can justify in your deck sort of regardless you know protecting against the veltal is a really good selling point in my opinion because it gives you like a slight opportunity to make an edge in, in the lugia mirror Right, and, and every Lugia deck should be looking for that right now. How do I make the mirror slightly better for myself? Um, Espeon is a potential way that you could execute on that. Is it the best way? Maybe not, but it's something. Yeah, right, right, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I would say, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see an increase um, in Espeon VMAX play because, you know, really only one group that I know of thought of that for <laughs> toronto regionals or, or any of those regionals that weekend so um so let's look on the flip side of that right we'll see that. um so bird keeper right is mm-hmm. kind of the the poor man's paralysis tech so to speak you know it's the half measure if you will yeah um you know bird keeper really you're, you're really just playing it to get out of status conditions there is like the the niche use case of it you can build up your hand with it you know you can Luminion and then Bird Keeper into it and save the energy that you might have retreated. But those are like really not why you're playing that card, right? You're playing it to get out of paralysis. How do you feel about Bird Keeper as a tech in Lugia? See, I'm more interested in Bird Keeper because it's a little less, I mean, it's half the deck space. You could obviously play Bird Keeper with something like an Eldegoss V to be able to recycle it one time. Uh, or, or multiple times if you happen to attack with the Eldegoss. But I think that that is more um, attractive to me as a one-of, because I think when you're looking at these paralysis decks, with one Bird Keeper, you should be able to get out of paralysis, you know, three to four times, depending on how you play your cards, right? So you have, um, you know, you, you have your main attacker, they paralyze it, then you bird keeper once and you bird keeper into maybe like a non-evolved Lugia and then that attacks and then you evolve again into another Lugia, right? So you're taking like three prizes 
off of one bird keeper essentially. And so I think that that might be enough for me uh, to be able to swing a matchup like Lugia into. My question you know, would be like, do Arctic you Nova think deck? that a deck that would play a paralysis strategy like wouldn't have a strategy for that kind of situation, right? Like a way to one shot a Lugia V, for example, if it comes into the active. Yeah, I mean it's fair. It's like I, I um, obviously need more time with the paralysis-based decks, but it just feels like um, I would, you know, I would just be better. I would just play better, right? Yeah, I mean being better is nice. <laughs> yeah, I would just just have that have that diff, you know, that that player diff. So I mean, the, you mentioned that you think it's preferable. Would you play it though? Like, would Bird Keeper make its way into your loot? Would deck? I play a Bird Keeper? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. If I wasn't, I mean, if, if I wasn't going to play the Espeon, because I think obviously it's like either or for me, if I were to play Lugia. Um, if I wasn't playing the Espeon, so I would it's play not, a, there's a no keeper. world where you play neither. Probably not. No. Okay. Yeah. Because Bird Keeper has, I mean, we're talking about the auxiliary uses of Espeon, and you laid out pretty well the auxiliary uses of Bird Keeper. So that just also seems like a card that is good in most situations where it's like, okay, I don't want to manually retreat certain Pokemon or um, I would like to not play a research and yet not play, you know, a Marnie or something, right, that, that decreases my hand size. So there's, there's use cases for it in pretty much every matchup just by nature of being a draw card. I, I mean, I definitely agree with that, and I do I do think the saving and energy to retreat is pretty nice. Um, you know, Lugia can really, even with, like, 15, 16 energy, you can really kind of wear those down over the course of the game, so any opportunity to save one here and there makes a difference in your mm -hmm. endgame plays. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Broke is a great way to kind of do that for yourself. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I would definitely play one of the two options. Um, I think both of them can pretty easily, you can make up your case for why either of them would be the one. Um, I think it really boils down to, if you're playing the Bird Keeper, you got to find some like awesome value for that last slot to justify right. playing it over Espeon, right? Like sure. you need sure. to, I'm not saying that you personally don't, but I would say to anyone listening, like if it's between, if you're playing a paralysis answer and you're playing the Bird Keeper, what is that 60th card that you're playing that is better than all the other use cases of Espeon? And it's not to say there's not answers to that question, but you have to be able to answer it to justify your choice. For sure. Let's talk about a few other top techs. Um, these, again, are kind of a pairing that you'll see most often talked about in Lugia, but um, one of them can be played in a variety of other decks. And that is uh, the Dunsparce, and the second card is the Manaphy. So let's talk about Dunsparce first. That was Getting interesting because you mentioned that one of them could be played in a lot of decks, and then you started with Dunsparce. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. It was a, a little tongue twister there, but um, I try to keep the listeners on their on their toes. First tech is Dunsparce. We're gonna see that primarily in Lugia, obviously, but could be played in maybe an Arceus deck or something. Um, trending up or down, would you say Dunsparce is right now? I think Dunsparce is, is trending down overall. Um, it's still see it's like still on the fence. If you look at online stats, it's like just under fifty percent of people are playing Dunsparce. But when you look at sort of the top players from Toronto, for example, very few of these high-placing Lugia decks were really using Dunsparce in their engine. And I think it boils down to these Lugia decks have sort of made the judgment call that, hey, Lugia isn't really a Lugia attacking-oriented deck, right? Like, I'm maybe attacking with one Lugia over the course of a game. So if that one Lugia got a favorable trade and gets one shot after that, that's fine, because I'm going to still like throw one prizers better than any other deck. Mm. Um, that's my my take on like why Dunsparce has gone down. And I don't really see that necessarily changing. I also don't think like the Lightning Pokemon just are super mid, it feels like. Um, that said, you know when you have Dunsparce, especially in combination with the Manaphy, 
it really feels like a lockout against some of these lightning attacker focused decks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Dunsparce is so, so niche, but so, so important. Um, if you're planning on going with a more, you know, Lugia focused attacking strategy, I think, like you said, Lugia is not shouldn't necessarily be the focus of a Lugia based deck, which is funny to say, <laughs> but Lugia is in this format among, if not the best single prize deck in the format, just in the sense that it can utilize single prizers that have such strong attacks uh, better than any other deck can. So uh, in that regard, how much value are you getting out of the one Lugia that you're setting up? You know, maybe you can get it to attack twice. That would be uh, fantastic. But even if it goes down that, you know, to an opponent's Raikou or to an opponent's Zekrom or to an opponent's Reggie Lecky. How much do you care about that? Because you can throw up so many other attackers that can um, take that prize trade back in your favor, right? I think especially like you look at the uh, Lost Box decks that might play a Lightning Attacker. If you're able to follow up their knockout with a Stoutland, you know, you, you kind of take that advantage back. Right, if yeah. they knock you out with the Zekrom, puts damage counters on it, you gum up with a, with a uh, Statland there. You take that prize trade right back, and now you're, you know, have this really threatening high HP attacker into whatever they try to muster up. So, it does feel like Dunsparce is on a significant downtrend. I would be curious to see how players try to take advantage of that. Uh, we've started to see a bit more Vikavolt, which would be kind of a, an obvious you it's know, funny though because vikavolt but if you look at if you look at raw stats in, in lost box Vico, sorry if you look at just raw stats though like vikavolt is not good against lugia <laughs> yeah it's it's really funny right exactly and i don't exactly. think like dunsparce honestly fundamentally changes that because it feels like if vikavolt sort of locks you out of even setting up then they're going to win those are the games right. they win right. regardless of whether you have a dunsparce or not and the games where Lugia gets their Archeops in play, it doesn't matter if they're weak to you or not. They're blasting your Vikavolts off the map. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, uh, I don't know. Vikavolt doesn't feel like the response. And it also feels like a lot. the Lightning techs just... And we, we had the same problem with Palkia, right? Where the Lightning techs just weren't that good. Yeah. Um, you know, the Raikou V is not really a trade you're trying to make. You know, right. you're still trading right. another two prizes, so that doesn't feel great. Right. The Flying Pikachu VMAX feels even less effective than it does versus Palkia because Eveltal just gets that thing off the map. Um, and the Zekrom, the math is, like, just wrong <laughs> on it, so you have mm -hmm. to hit a Choice Belt as well. Mm -hmm. And especially if they're playing a Paralysis answer, you know, you can't, like, lean into that. You don't want to rely on that. Right? Yeah, so... I, I don't know. Like Dunsparce doesn't really vibe with me, to be honest. You know, I, it's. You, I, I will say it's pretty valuable in the Reggie matchup. Yeah, I mean, if you if I you mean, get that's the like Dunsparce Manatee combo, one, right, right. That's that's the matchup to me that I feel like Dunsparce really shines because if your opponent is able to with the uh, with the Reggie deck able to take those one shots in multiple turns. You know, potentially, right? You're trying to set up a couple Lugia if, if that's just the way the game goes. If they're able to take those one-shots, that is so big for the Reggie deck. I, I would agree with you there. Yeah, it feels like Dunsparce is mostly a Reggie tech more mm. than anything. You know, you shouldn't really be that afraid of, like, the flaffy decks of the world, things like that. You're playing, you're playing Dunsparce for Reggie, and Reggie has really not been a major force recently, Mm -hmm. um not to say it's non-existent but like i wouldn't really be teching for reggie necessarily right now yeah for sure um so let's go to the sister tech then in manaphy you know manaphy sees play in all sorts of decks as the bench barrier mon of choice um it pairs really well with dunsparce because it can shield it from miscellaneous damage trying to take it off the board uh, but it can also see play completely solo dolo that's what we've seen most recently at at the Toronto Regional Championship in Lugia. It's also a common tech in Lost Box. 
what's the sitch with Manaphy as we round out the year at Arlington? Manaphy seems very necessary for a number of reasons. I think you look at Kyogre as being the biggest threat to a ton of decks being able to spread 250 damage to two Pokemon on the bench uh, under the right conditions, of course, in the late game for Lost Box. It's just so, so threatening. They also have Regilecki being able to spread. That's no joke either because um, the Reggie deck obviously is going to rely a lot on weakness to try to hit numbers. Um, and so softening up some targets uh, is really important for that. And then you also think about things like the Radiant Greninja that sees play in in lost box decks that um is quite potent so i think those three cards um yeah again has enough matchup spread for me to be saying hey let's tech in a manaphy i I think that's just a really good card in a lot of decks right now yeah i mean manaphy just gets so much random value over the course of a tournament i feel it's definitely a much more versatile tech than dunsparce um and it, and it works better independently, I would say, than Dunsparce, whereas like Dunsparce kind of relies on Manaphy to thrive, but Manaphy doesn't really give a crap if Dunsparce is there. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> um, so I, I think that's that's fairly true. I wouldn't say the stocks are going up or down on Manaphy since it's been kind of a consensus that Manaphy's just good in the decks that it belongs in. Um, but I do think Manaphy will, will stay pretty stable as a, as a popular tech. My one piece of advice, particularly for Lugia players, is just to be thoughtful about when Manaphy hits your board. That's also true for Dunsparce. Um, but be thoughtful for when those techs hit your board, yeah. right? Because, totally. um, you know, especially in the Lost Box matchup, you don't need Manaphy on, like, turn one. But you want it when they, like, approach the Kyogre point of the game. And if you put it down too soon, then it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's just bait for the Sableye, right? right. So. right. Um, and honestly, it can set you up in really bad situations if you put it down too early, because then they can save a life for seven and then set up five damage counters in like a perfect way somewhere else. So um, thoughtful use of mana fee is encouraged if you're going to use it. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, those two techs, I mean, they're, they're such low HP Pokemon um, that, yeah, your opponent can pull off these big plays where uh, they're able to capitalize on you just having it down, but um, they're too good not to run. Yeah, you know they're they're too good not to at least the mana fee for sure in a variety of different decks, uh, and sometimes as a two count, you know you look at lost box decks. A way to get up in the mirror is to utilize that Kyogre to utilize that Greninja, and so you know that might even be a, a choice for lost box decks. Although I think I think for me the one is is good enough there, but that's certainly not something that we haven't seen in the past. So let's maybe shift gears then. We've been talking about a lot of defensive techs, Mm -hmm. but I'm interested to talk about maybe a more offensive tech. uh, As you players were very familiar with this one in Drapion V. Drapion V, just the Mew killer. (laughs) You and I both played decks with double Drapion at the Toronto Regional Championship, which is just heartbreaking when you play Mew. Um and Drapion, with its dark typing, is like a really flexible attacker that can also deal with the random Mewtwo V union that's in your face, right? The Lost Box decks yeah. can now Mirage Gate twice onto a Drapion and knock out the Mewtwo V union, which is normally quite a difficult barrier for those Lost Box decks. Yeah, I think Lost Box is the deck that I uh, see Drapion V, you know, rising in popularity in because of those two decks lost box never had a you know fantastic mew matchup um unless you were playing the kyogre version which you know you could just take two prizes then set up a big double snipe on to genesex but you know yeah you, you think about lost boxes matchup into stall <laughs> as soon as that mewtwo hits the board there's no chance to knock it out with a Lost Box X, unless you have a dark type attacker. Drapion V fits that mold because it can not only counter your bad matchup or average matchup in Mew, but you have that answer to Mewtwo V Union. So I think great card for a Lost Box deck and might even be a decent card in something like Lugia. We talked a lot um, last week about our experience in Toronto and how 
we as Mew VMAX players did not lose a single set to Lugia over, you know, the course of, I don't know, how many you played? A couple, I think. I played two Lugias. I you... played three. Andrew played like three or four. So I think he played four. Yeah. So combined, we were uh, nine and zero in <laughs> sets against Lugia with Mew. And so, you know, that's enough for me to solidly say that Mew has a favorable matchup into <laughs> Lugia. I, from, I would from say, our experience. yeah, the, the numbers you know? point to, to that. <laughs> I mean, from our experience, you know, obviously yeah. some other people might have different experiences, but from our experiences, you know, that that's a pretty solid matchup for Mew. So teching in the Drapion uh, can be a really good answer and put on early pressure and take a big, you know, three prize knockout early and just kind of get your, uh, you know, get, get yourself off on the right foot there. Or save it to the end of the game and you're just kind of, you know, take your early prizes and then you're just kind of sitting behind one prize or sending them up until you can find that Drapion and maybe find that counter stadium and, and win the game there. So well, the I, cool I think thing it's as really, well for Lugia really nice. especially is you, you don't even need the counter stadium, right? Like you can yeah. power it yeah. up manually with the Archeops. Yep. So even if you get like Roxanne path, like you're basically just a quick ball away from, from knocking out a new VMAX. Yeah. That's that's a good point too. So I mean, Drapion seems like it's definitely on the rise, right? You know, the Mewtwo V Union being a being an option now that people are considering more heavily. The uh, the rise in in Mew as sort of a Lugia counter archetype. It it seems dire if you're really liking Mew uh, because Drapion seems like it's on the rise. Yeah, yeah, Drapion quite a. Quite a strong card right now. I do like it a lot in Lugia. I think it slots in very nicely. And, you know, honestly, you think about uh, the numbers that it can reach, like doing, you know, powering it up manually, you can hit 190. Uh, with the choice belt, you're hitting 220, which is, um, you know, just obviously a, a magic number right now in the game with all the basic Vs having 220 health or less. So really nice card. I, I would certainly be looking at it in, in Lugia, um, looking at it potentially in Mew, and then also in Lost Box. I think it's a natural inclusion if you're playing the Mirage Gates. Absolutely. So let's shift gears then one more time and talk about uh, some more disruptive-based options. Path to the Peak is really only seeing a lot of play in Mew right now, it feels like, which is, if, no matter how many times we comment on it, it still is weird to say um we have seen some lugia decks considering playing it lost box is another deck that can potentially utilize path to the peak reggie's is another deck that can utilize path to the peak is path like a viable disruptive card right now or is it not having the stopping power at this point in the meta that, that it really has in the past it's so tough because we're just at a point where other than you know, Mew and other than, a, I don't know, maybe like one or two other abilities. Like there's not really a lot of um, long-term abilities in the game right now. And, and what I mean by that is there's not really a lot of abilities that turn after turn uh, on, a, on a V or a V max, you know, are, are necessary to win the game for many decks right now. Of course you have, you know, your Genesex, right in the Mew deck but and then you might have like a Greninja Radiant Greninja and of course you might want to use a Luminion or something later in in Lugia but for the most part a lot of these decks either don't rely on abilities or in Lugia's case rely on abilities one time to be able to set their whole deck up so it, it feels like Path is weak in general at this point but not weak enough to not play it or not consider it in your deck if that makes any sense like you still love being able to marty path uh, random decks you still love being able to marty path an arceus deck you love to be able to marty path a lugia deck in some cases like there's still use cases for marty path but it's just not as um, game winning I would say right now as it as it has been in the past yeah I mean it feels like there are games where path just wins you that game on the spot and then you can play game two of that same series put a path out in the same situation and it has no impact on the game state because yeah. mm -hmm. they just have mm -hmm. a stadium bump and 
and you know Lugia uses their V Star power, or Mew draws the cards it needs, and you and know all of a sudden over. like it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Um, so to me, if you're playing Path, you're trying to play it in sort of high quantities to try and hit those like early game swing turns as much as possible. You know, you're really not lightly playing Path to the Peak anymore. You're committing mm -hmm. to the bit and playing Path, or you're not. Right. Um, to that end, I think Mew is honestly the best doer of that strategy, maybe followed by decks like Reggie that want a stadium anyway to counter Collapsed. And Path has a bunch of like random benefits for Reggie, so why not just play Path as the stadium? Other option mainly just being Pokestop. Um, so, I don't know. I think Mew stocks kind of go down because Drapion stocks go up. So I think by extension, path stocks go down, both because it's good against Mew and Mew plays it. <laughs> right. um, so is kind of like a double whammy there. But, you know, I, I feel like I could be wrong, but that's kind of my sentiment right now. I don't think path is strong enough versus Lugia to, like, warp your deck around it if, if it doesn't already use it. Sure. Sure, that's a good point. Are there any decks other than Mew that could... Maybe play Path of the Peak? I, I mean, you could. Something I've been thinking about is kind of regressing to, like, a Lost Origins style, like, toward regional winning type of Lost Box that has a little bit heavier of a path um, and leans into the Sableye strategy a little bit harder. That's uh, kind of fallen out of vogue due to Stoutland. You, just, you still need to sort of modify your deck to accommodate a Stoutland answer. Um, but... That is, like, something that's kind of been on my mind. Um, I don't think there's, like, a lot of random decks that use Path super well. There's Lugia can potentially use Path after it sets up, which is, like, fine. I don't I don't know if I'm, like, super impressed by it, though. Um, and nothing else, I think, really fits that bill. I don't know if you have something in mind when you ask that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's... I always I saw the most recent late-night winner had path in their Lugia deck. So that's something that I'm, you know, uh, interested in. I know we tried Lugia path way back when Silver Tempest was first coming out, you know, and, and before LAIC and it didn't really stick uh, in terms of something that we were impressed with, but, but, you know, perhaps there's, there's viability now that the format is kind of, again, doubling back on itself to uh, re-explore that strategy. Yeah. That's super valid. Are there other texts that are kind of like brewing in your mind as we sort of wrap up the tech corner here? There's one and one that I would like to just sing the praises of, and that's everyone's favorite monkey, Orangaroo. Uh, I think Orangaroo is a really underrated card right now. I see a lot of lists cutting it, and I don't quite know why. Again, as we see... Um, potentially, as we see Mew VMAX's uh, stock kind of go down. You know, I, I would say we're not as, as excited about the deck as we were before Toronto. Um, and I, I think a lot of players are feeling that way, especially with Drapion increasing. But with that said, there's no other deck that has a hand disruption as good as Mew in the form of Judge uh, that the Mew decks play. So most decks will play Marnie to disrupt the hand, and I think guru kind of you know is obviously much better against marnie than it is against judge so I, I i think a lot of players are discounting the oranguru both in lugia decks and also in lost box decks but i would uh, encourage players to see if they can't find extra room for that card because it is such a nice way to smooth out inconsistencies with the deck not only because you get to draw an extra card every turn essentially uh, but also because you can save certain texts that you maybe don't want to discard or maybe you want to make sure you have in hand or uh, in the case of Lugia, you can put back specific energy cards that you know you need to utilize with uh with the the archaeops so i think it's a very versatile tech i i really wish that more players would play it i've had a lot of fun playing orangaroo and it's been just such a good card for me in a lot of situations yeah i think especially in lost box um 
Oranguru is just so insane, so insanely good. It's obviously good in Lugia as well, for all the reasons you mentioned. Uh, but being able to sort of safeguard yourself against Marnie by continually chaining your Colresses that are building yeah. up in your hand. Yeah, because I mean, because we've all been there, right? With the Lost Box deck, it's like you have, you know, two Colres in hand, right? And you've already maybe played one or maybe sent one to the Lost Zone. And then you get Marnie, and those go right to the bottom of your deck. And you like know that you're not seeing them again. Yeah, exactly. So. You know, that that's such a big use case there for Oranguru. Yeah, I'm with you there. Oranguru, especially in, in Last Box, I, I feel super solid on it. I like it in Lugia. It's something I, I think is potentially cuttable for space in Lugia. To me, it's, like, non-negotiable in Last Box unless you really have something crazy for that 60th slot. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's a pretty good roundup of some of the techs in the format and their stocks. Uh, we'll be interested to see what you all have cooked up for Arlington. We'll talk about our recipes that we're brewing in just a sec, but JW, I think it's time for a card of the day. Let's do it. So with the Scarlet and Violet leaks continuing to come out, um, you know, one of the things that players are most excited about is the return of EX Pokemon. And these are Pokemon that you know, are, are, are scaling uh, in terms of you can have a basic EX, you can have a stage one EX that evolves from a non-two prize basic, and then you can have your stage two EX Pokemon. But I remember when I first was coming back into the game, um, uh, you know, from, I, I say coming back into the game as like, I went maybe a year without touching my cards back in, <laughs> I don't know, the, the early 2000s. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of fun. I want to play, and I, I want to order some cards. This would be cool. Maybe I'll order some cards on, on eBay or something. And I ordered my first EX, and it looked really cool. I loved how it looked. It was super shiny compared to any of the cards that I had, and it was a lot stronger than any, any of the cards that I had. And that card, my first EX, was Electabuzz EX. <laughs> and now, looking back on it, I, I don't know what I was really thinking. That card kind of looks a little derpy. Obviously, it is not particularly strong. Um, you could do 60 damage with its second attack, quick attack. Let's go. If you flipped heads, it had a base of 40. <laughs> Let's and then if go. you flipped heads, it did 20 more damage. And then it has a Thundershock attack as the first attack does 10 damage and paralyzation on a coin flip. So <laughs> certainly not anything to write home to Mama about. But it does fall in line. I'm, I'm already cooking, man. I got that letter cooking to Mama. Really? You already got that letter cooking to Mama? Okay, yeah. Well. She needs to hear about this. Well, it's let me tell you, it's not something to write home to Mama about. Just that's just so, FYI. That's right? so sad, man. But it, it does follow the uh, the kind of um, the 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 standard there of the EXs, where you have very bad, <laughs> you know, uh, basic EXs which Electabuzz objectively was. And that, and I think there was like Lapras and Hitmonchan, which I eventually also accrued. And I think there was a Chansey EX as well. And, and a few others that you just look at them and they were just not very good. <laughs> and then you have the stage ones that got a little bit better. And then ultimately the stage two EXs were some of the stronger cards in that format. So um, I hope to see a return to that in Scarlet and Violet where you have these kind of scaling EXs, but I'll always I'll always think back fondly to to my Electabuzz EX as the first EX Pokemon card in my collection. That's awesome. <laughs> Quick attack for sixty. Let's go. I mean, we're cooking now. Let him man. Love it. <laughs> that's super awesome. So before we jump into Arlington testing, we do want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor for today's episode which of course is manscaped so ladies and gentlemen the holiday season is just around the corner as we're recording this we're just a week out and a few days from the christmas holiday and if you're looking for something to get for yourself your loved one a friend Nothing will scratch that itch better than Manscaped. If you're looking nothing to turn... will Nothing will shave that ball <laughs> like a Manscaped. 
So true, Bestie. If you're looking to turn your Cheruby into a Cherum, then Manscaped has got the deal for you. And over at Tag Team, we're looking to help you out. So if you head on over to Manscaped.com, why don't you take a look at some of their fine wares? We've proven, at least through, you know, circumstance, that the Manscaped boxers do correlate, if nothing else, to tournament success. I have day two'd every tournament that I've worn a Manscaped boxer, and not day two the tournaments I didn't wear them. So that should speak volumes to you. And of course, their products do super, super well. I never really had an electric razor that I use for personal grooming prior to partnering with Manscaped, and it is so, so nice. I, I can vibe with the, the smoothness and not having to deal with nicks and cuts is mm. amazing. GW mm. also loves their ear and nose hair trimmer. So head on over to Manscaped, check out their stuff. Use code TAGTEAM at checkout, T-A-G-T-E-A-M, and you get not only 20% off, but, but free shipping. It's so good. It's such a deal. Head on over to Manscaped, use code TAGTEAM at checkout. 20% off plus free shipping. You still got time, guys, if you want to get something for yourself or a friend, a family member, or a significant other before the holidays. Head on over to manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping with code TAG TEAM. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast, and thank you to you all for checking them out. All right, JW. We are just days away from being at the Arlington Regional Championship. What is the situation on the ground floor? We've been testing. We've been throwing ideas at the wall. We've been trying crazy stuff. We've been trying vanilla yeah. stuff. Where are we headed at this point? Uh, yeah, it's um, it's. I, I said earlier in the cast that I feel like I'm in quicksand in this format. Like my my feet are not on solid ground and heading into Arlington I wish I had a better grasp of where the format's at than I do and my big issue comes that I cannot play Mew VMAX for this tournament I am looking for every excuse not to play Mew because I don't think that with the rise in Drapion uh, that Mew is a particularly strong deck right now. Um, Drapion, I got soured when I played a deck with double Drapion in Toronto. Um, I do feel like it's just a generally good card that decks like Lost Box should significantly like consider and factor into to their deck list. So it just to me feels like that card in and of itself, but just by existing and not only being good for Mew, but also being good for uh, the the stall matchup and Mew TV Union, just has me really soured on the deck. So I've been trying to find every excuse not to play it. Do I still, uh, will I still bring Mew VMAX to Arlington? Yeah, absolutely. I'll have it as like a, a you know, side deck. If I really cannot find anything else to play, then I will default back to Mew. We got the in case of emergency break glass. Yeah, exactly, Because exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think it's strong. Like if you're if you're heading over to Arlington, you're like, uh, you know, not nah, no way I'm gonna play Mew, uh, or or alternatively, you're heading over to Arlington. Like yes, I am definitely going to play Mew. I, I don't think it's a terrible choice. It should be again in the top like three most played decks. But it just worries me. Um, you know, I I saw it in toronto firsthand what drapion can do and uh it just has me soured on the deck so with that said my comfort pick and something that i would have loved to play all year um i i, I think is out for me so that leaves me a little bit wandering a little bit aimless on what to play uh, i've been thinking about lugia a lot and what i can do to uh, improve some of its bad matchups i've been thinking about random off the wall stuff i've been thinking a lot about lost box there's just a lot of like i've really just hope i thought about a lot about reggie as well oh yeah we did <laughs> ton about reggie and there's there's pros and cons to all these decks i would say like reggie is very reliant on the lugia player and not only not playing dunsparce because i think that's a very big part of it because if they can uh, have their, you know, Lugia V-Stars trade two for two 
that's generally pretty favorable for them. And then and then maybe they can take one big knockout with like a Stoutland or uh, just, you know, Marnie you into a hand where you miss a beat. Um, but also it relies on the Luya deck not playing Collapse Stadium, uh, which, you know, just one Collapse Stadium, it's just so funny to say, but one Collapse Stadium can be a huge problem for Reggie uh, in, in certain circumstances. So was really trying to make Reggie work. We even had on the testing table the other night a an Arceus Gudra deck. I was going to say, we got to talk about the Arceus Gudra. <laughs> we got to talk about Gudra. <laughs> yeah, with, with four Temple of Sinnoh. We're like, wow, you know, this is so crazy. It beats Reggie, it beats Lugia, beats Mew. Uh, and, then, and then we realized, oh, yeah, Lugia can just discard the stadium with its attack. <laughs> So that that was off the table as well. It felt cool though. It did. We thought we really thought we were onto something. <laughs> that was my uh, that was like my two a.m. like came to be in a dream <laughs> idea <laughs> for context. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, all that to say, we've just tried a lot of stuff, and nothing's really felt that good. Would you agree? I would agree. Yeah, nothing's felt really super good um you is definitely my in case of emergency break glass type of deck uh and if i end up playing it i won't like hate myself for it um yeah. even even after coming off of a a rough showing in in toronto personally you know it, it is the mew year so that's true <laughs> you gotta factor that in always and, it is the and it's judgment day uh yeah and, and and judgment day was like such a good meme that like it's kind of revitalized the new year a little bit for me, <laughs> but I would really love to find something that inspires me. I think the deck that I want to love the most right now is lost box. Mm-hmm. I think it's the most fun deck to play right now. It offers a lot of like interesting strategic gameplay decisions. Um, but we've just struggled to like get it exactly where we want to be. Honestly, when I think of lost box, I would prefer to play something more straightforward, like closer to the Charizard variants of old than some of these like really crazy versions. Uh, obviously, you need to deal with Stoutland, as I mentioned before. But that would be something that I would be excited about. But again, like we haven't found something, we haven't found something sexy, right? We haven't found something that's really exciting that we just know we're going to dig our teeth into, which is unfortunate. You know, it feels sucky to, to not be in that situation. Um, but we'll keep it pushing, right? We'll keep testing. We'll keep, we'll keep uh, trying to figure it out, um, and hopefully we land on something like slightly better than than Gujar Temple. Um. <laughs> yeah, man. But that was that was such a pile. But it felt so cool to like draft it. It did. It did. We really did feel like we we're onto something. I mean, it, it. I think it's safe to say at this point that there's no new concept that we're going to create there's no new concept that we're going to concoct there's no rogue strategy that we're going to perfect in these last few days and if something does inspire us i mean then i'll you know then then feel free to just never listen to this podcast ever again but i you know i think you're you're in agreement with me is just like when we're going to go into arlington whatever deck we decide to play it's probably going to be one of the top you know five decks right that's kind of what we're looking at and maybe we have some spooky tech or something but um nothing nothing new nothing crazy nothing um particularly unique in terms of the archetype that we're deciding on yeah i would say the only like archetype that would be outside of sort of like top five by playwright that i'm considering would be like a stall deck since those naturally Mm -hmm. don't tend to fall in those like sure super high quantity but it also is like very much a known thing right it's not like um yeah it's not like playing the flaffy deck you know yeah right right. (laughs) we're not playing the flaffy deck i don't think if we do play the flaffy deck like uh, please like take it away from me and like don't let me do that (laughs) i don't know i might i might let you do it yeah i might are you there with me? You kind of gonna roll up with Flappy? Um, just I don't kinda... think I'll. I don't think I'll play it myself, but I will definitely encourage you. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> can't you can't debate that. That's just the way it is. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, we're feeling a little bit lost right now. I think we kind of understand 
broad strokes where the meta's at, but a lot of those like micro decisions will mm-hmm. impact the tournament a lot. Like if we were able to say confidently that Lugia was not playing Dunsparce, then we'd probably feel pretty good about Reggie, honestly. Yeah. But the fact that we don't know that, um, that air of mystery, you know, is is unsatisfying. You yeah, know, if you play four about... Lugias right, and you right. lose to the ones that play Dunsparce and 40% of them are playing Dunsparce, so you like play one, like two of those Lugias out of the four right. playing Dunsparce, that's like not really what you're trying to roll up with Reggie's to, to do, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, it does feel like Reggie, you know, could have a good day if you're playing against, you know, uh, Lugia, primarily without Dunsparce. You know, obviously Mew is a is generally thought to be a solid matchup if they don't play multiple um, Lost City. And then your Lost Box can be pretty good, you know, um, if you don't dead draw, you know, if you get a reasonable attack off uh, in enough time there. So, you know, it feels like it could have some really strong matchups against the top tables but again it just is like you're you're counting on your opponents not playing certain cards and that just feels so risky to do in such a large tournament i agree so yeah reggie's was was a big one for us so we'd love to get that to work but it just yeah the lugia decks that play dunsparce not not really tenable um mew that has multiple lost uh lost city really hard um Lost box decks generally solid for Reggie, but certainly losable if you're if you get out of the gate slow. So that's where we're at with that. Lost box feels good. Would you play the Charizard variant, you think, or would you try to go for like a more uh, spread based strategy with Kyogre? I kind of like the Charizard variants right now, personally. I mm-hmm. like how straightforward they are. I like. They have so many switch outs. You know, you're really gonna be plowing through your deck with those comfies. Um, whereas the Kyogre, the Rayquaza variants tend to get a little bit greedier with their switch outs, um, which a lot of games maybe doesn't matter. But when you're like in some of those like really stressful dig situations, can mm-hmm. um, and just makes that like early game setup less reliable. So I really like the Charizard variants. I think the straightforwardness helps them a lot. And there's still like plenty of cool plays they could make with a couple Mirage Gates, the Snorlax, the Sableye. So that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. But you know, the classic uh Rayquaza or Amazing Rare Kyogre or Amazing Rayquaza or, or the Kyogre, like wouldn't fault someone for choosing those instead. Right. Uh, do you feel are you still on the Kyogre train? I just think Kyogre's too like it's too good, man. It's just it is good. good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's insane how how strong that attack can be and and how much it can flip a really bad position, which I feel like Lost Box tends to find itself in for a a lot of the game, and it could just reverse that that bad positioning. So, um, yeah, I I would probably play Kyogre just because of its comeback potential. And I think that's pretty valid, too. Basically, you're you're deciding between max consistency versus comeback potential. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think we've covered a lot of stuff today. There's a huge question mark, in my opinion, about what will actually turn up at Arlington. So I'm really excited to to be a part of that experience and, and see it on the ground level. <laughs> what if it's just all Arceus, Duraludon, and a Flappy Dex? <laughs> That would be sick. Uh, that's, that would be sick. Would love to. Would love I would to love to witness that, that first. Ed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got, you know, coming to the the group after the round. Like, man, I had an Arceus Duraludon player on both sides of me. And they're both <laughs> playing Flappies. <laughs> <laughs> man, that was my tenth uh, Arceus Duraludon. <laughs> <laughs> like five of the last six rounds, I played Flappies. It's and then that the would other be a, four I played. That would be a really sick regional. So, <laughs> listeners, can we rally together to make this happen? <laughs> can you join Riley in playing Flappy Deck? And JW in playing Archie <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe. The point. factions will, will go to war, <laughs> and whoever emerges on top is the supreme meme. <laughs> hey, should, should we make a little bet? You want to make a little dominoes bet on who does better this weekend? So a little freaking doms. Yeah, a little doms bet. Uh, yeah. 
Okay. All right. So whoever does better, um, we'll order the other and a Domino's pizza. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So you are here first. You're you all are holding us accountable to that bet. Uh, whoever does better will get the other person Domino's. And if you would like to be part of just the tag team experience, make yeah. sure to check out flexdaddy.card/shop where you can wrap our merch. Whether you're Team Flappy, Team Duraladon, Team Dominoes, <laughs> the tag team shirts are style and they're hit. I love wearing them at these events, and I love wearing them in general. I get lots of compliments when I'm out and about. Yeah, you look really fresh, and you even have a girlfriend now, and I don't think that that's... They're uh, not unrelated. <laughs> yeah, I don't, exactly, exactly. So check it out, flexdaddy.card slash shop. Go on there, order yourself a shirt. If you order it in the next... 24 hours i'll hand deliver to you in in dallas hey there you go in arlington so so you know that that might be um you know worth it in and of itself but you can also plug into uh the podcast over on twitter at tag team pokemon is the handle of the podcast at real john walter is my twitter handle and at smiles with riles is riley's every single wednesday we stream this podcast over at twitch.tv slash munner or you can watch it live i also stream myself over at twitch.tv slash flex daddy righteous so follow all those channels stay up to date with what we're creating thank you all so much for listening we appreciate every single one of you and we're looking forward to an exciting weekend in arlington texas with that we're gonna head out and we'll catch you all next time peace see ya